Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is your Game Master, Patrick, kicking off this season right with a new intro, talking all things Starfinder and Cosmic Crit in the year 2019. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show, and double helping of hello and welcome back to everyone that got through season one of the podcast and are already fans of of, uh, Cosmic Crit. Our fan base here, we call the the awesome Cosmic Crittermanders. If you jump on board this crew week to week, or you support us online, buy a shirt, uh, subscribe on the Patreon, or just chat us up in our fan Discord server, then you are already a Crittermander through and through. You now have Crittermander in your blood, and you should really get to a doctor, get that checked out. But Crittermanders, as a whole, are kind, open, and welcoming gamers that know that TTRPGs are for everyone, that the table is a sacred place where magic will happen if you let it, and above all, Crittermanders treat one another with the kindness and respect that they wish to be given themselves. It's been an honor being a part of the Crittermander community that we've generated, gaming in the Starfinder Society alongside you all, getting to read your great fan submission challenges, and making friends with people like the the mods on the Discord, and even hanging out with other gaming podcasters that enjoy our podcast. This podcast, Cosmic Crit, if I may say, is a bit of a labor of love for me personally. At its core, it has been designed so I get to hang out and game regularly with my five friends. But it's more than that, too. The real reason that I started the show was to give back to another community that I love, and that's the Paizo community. None of this would be possible without the good folks at Paizo pouring a lot of hard work into the content that we enjoy daily. I've been playing Pathfinder for about seven or eight years, and Starfinder since its launch. And this podcast, while a lot of work allows us to share our love of Paizo products with the greater universe. So I just want to take some time and try and thank everyone that I can think of at Paizo, from the top Lisa Stevens and James Jacobs, to Eric Mona and Jason Bowman, down to our old pal Dan Tharp and Aaron Shanks, who help out a, a great deal with our show. But I especially wanted to thank the amazing folks on the Starfinder development team, from Rob McCreary to Jason Keeley, Joe Passini, and Chris Sims. Uh, thank you also to Amanda Heyman Coons and Owen Casey Stevens, all friends of the show. And I'd be remiss without uh, thanking the amazing Thurston Hellman, John Compton, and Tanya Woldbridge on the organized play side of things. And I apologize, I can't thank everyone at Paizo, but we only have so much time on this intro. But the entire team at Paizo Publishing make, in my professional podcasting opinion, the best tabletop games currently available anywhere. In 2019, we have a ton of exciting stuff to announce for our fans, not the least of which is our upcoming online convention, CritterCon 2. If you missed the first CritterCon weekend, which launched our Starfinder Society Lodge last year, mark your calendars now for April 26th through the 28th. We will have a weekend of Starfinder Society online gaming, other gaming, and uh, information streams and Twitch gameplay. Signups are are soon going to be underway, and we'll be making several announcements here on the show 
and via our website, social media, that kind of thing, as we get closer to the con. All this gaming is for free. You don't have to pay a dime, but we are raising money for a good cause, namely Medsans Sans Frontier, or as it's known here, Doctors Without Borders. We have suggested donations and the costs for purchasing rerolls and raffle tickets. Uh, we'll have those up in April as we get closer to the event, but I just want to take this time beforehand, because uh, we've been doing a lot of work for it, to thank all of our Crittermander captains who are already planning tables, scenarios to play, getting everything set up, and send a thank you to our, our Lodge Captain Odin, aka Cosmic Eleven, who's both the organizer and the host for the event. So thank you, Crittermander Captains and Odin, and I cannot wait for CritterCon 2. So we've been talking about our new Patreon for the last few weeks, and if you've already become a patron, I want to thank you very much. As I said, this podcast is a labor of love, and we are currently making negative $3 signs on it just about every month. So supporting us through our Patreon campaign is signaling to us you want more from the Cosmic Crit crew, and it'll allow us to give bigger and better fan challenges, purchase more art and things like that for the podcast, if you get $5 and become one of our Skittermander new friends, you get access to all the additional content we produce through Patreon early, which hopefully is going to be a lot starting uh, this month in March with Season 2. We've already broken four of our goals for the Patreon this year, and two of those are to produce new supersized episodes of the continuing adventures of the Driftrider crew. I'm very excited to get those finished uh, written and get them recorded and edited and if you are too then don't wait to join become a backer today thanks once again to all of our listeners for sticking with us sticking with this long intro those of you who rate us on itunes share the podcast ad nauseum with your friends and annoyed co-workers that kind of thing really helps us out we have more awesome announcements to make throughout this season of the podcast but those are gonna have to wait is we need to light this candle. We need to get this season started. So let's get to it. This is episode 75, part one of Against the Aeon Throne. And this episode is entitled The, the Unusual, Unusual Suspects. Suspects. Episode commencing in 3, 2, 1. Episode initiated. Check, 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 check crit out. What, 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 what crit cosmic's all about? My name is Patrick, and I'm your DJ GM, joined by my five fellow MC PCs today. We're getting no sleep till Brooklyn in a very BC episode of this week's Cosmic Crit. Joining me in fighting for their right to party, that is season two, are the rest of the crew of the show. Put your hands together and make some noise as I introduce you to the Cosmic Critsy boys and woman. <laughs> To my right, the starship is docking, he'll end up rocking, a pulse caster, electro-shocking, it's Tyler. Starstruck. To his right, <laughs> she's not one to boast, but she's interdimensional when she eats French toast. It's Rebecca. Listen all y'all, it's a sabotage. <laughs> Across the digital table, he's telling all y'all it's an engineering check to <laughs> enact a sabotage. Let's welcome back Miles. I'm triple trouble, y'all. To his right, GMs are always saying his style is wild. I say he's got a racial bonus to guile. Welcome back to the show, Jabert. Hey, Patrick. Uh, Intergalactic planetary? 
Yeah, of course. And to my left, with the D-double-O-D double O style, rocking from Absalom to the Drift Rock Mile. How do you do do drip? Don't let the beat mm, drop! <laughs> I altered my intro order for the season, everyone. Pray I do not so alter mysterious. it. So mysterious. Yeah, I wonder what yeah. the order is this year. It's weird. It's like so it's different. Like a, I can't. T- it's I can't like tell. I turned it on its head upside down. I mean, you say that, Drew, but the, you and I, like, was it me or Rebecca? Two of us, like, did not realize it was an alphabetical order the entire it was, year. It was a number of us on the podcast. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, holy pronking fleam, everyone! We are back. Woo! Yeah, we ever really gone. We took a little break from playing the game to, and went into talking about it mode. But uh, now we're back and this is it, folks. Season two of Cosmic Crit getting ready to launch off. We have been planning these characters for like half a year now. That's safe to say, right? <laughs> yes, been a long time. Yes. <laughs> uh, some of us longer. And I cannot believe that we are finally here, finally able to start playing. Let's uh, let's get loose. Let's talk about it. How are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. Yay. Pretty good. Uh, there is a lot of season two podcast ahead of us uh, as we're we're just starting things off. And I yeah, I just wanted to make sure that you all were ready to start. As boy oh boy, this is going to be one of the craziest, most intense adventure paths I think I've seen so far. Yeah. Patrick, I, uh, uh-huh. you can't kill us in the first episode. We paid too much for the art. You have to let us get through the first episode. So second episode, <laughs> what, got it. So so what if he killed like all but one of us in the first episode? <laughs> <laughs> Kill, killed everybody and you just come back as a, a very similar character. <laughs> They're siblings, brothers, sisters, everybody. Uh, no, this, this is a pretty crazy AP. Against the Aeon Throne, we are about to start... Let's kick this off. This is Adventure Path Volume Number 7, Book 1 of this uh, three-part AP. This is The Reach of Empire. Our story for this season starts out in the vast of space. Weeks away from the relative safety and security of Absalom Station and the rest of the packed worlds, this is the frontiers of space where the rule of law is Every alien for themselves. Space pirates share the skies with mega corporations. The only thing you can count on is an azimuth laser pistol in your hand, a healing serum in your back pocket, and a prayer to the ancient gods for their favor on the tip of your tongue. The wilds of vast space contain countless worlds untold, technological wonders built at the apex of a planet's power, and magical talismans not seen for millennia lying beneath forgotten ruins of yesteryear. It's a unexplored edge of the map. There be space dragons, as it were. And our <laughs> current location is on the borders of even darker edges of the vast. Nexus systems under control of the Star Empire, as well as adjacent to dead worlds from past swarm invasions. This episode starts on what once was a small mining outpost uh, of a planetoid known as Urkala. Initially just a small corporate facility, the city of Mamitan has prospered and is now a local hub for traders, small manufacturing plants, and a waypoint for those traveling in this corner of the vast. High unemployment rates, invasions from outside criminal industries has turned Urkala into a bed of corruption and violence in years past, and the Mamitan city was hit the hardest. 
As we pull into view of the planet, we see dozens of starships docking with three long connector bays that stick out the side of the misshapen rock that is Arcala. Business craft, private transportation vessels, as well as local militia frigates fly the space here. And we zoom into the station's bubble itself, and the camera <laughs> flies past uniform city streets in a diamond-like grid. And here we see hundreds of run down, maybe centuries-old residential and commercial buildings zoned in strategic districts. And we swerve in and see that these streets are lined with all manner of vehicles, though we be begin to focus on a large group of them that are currently careening at high speeds down X Avenue, making the other crafts they pass look like they're standing still. At the front of this chase is a large hover truck, its flatbed back covered in supply crates with rope-weaved netting holding them down. Speeding behind this truck in fast pursuit, a gang of intercycles, bad-looking Akira-like vehicles. Their riders brandishing lead pipes, chains, small pistols, made up of some pretty angry-looking humans and androids. Panning to the uh, front of the hover truck vehicle, we see a number of humanoid figures. The player characters are already in a precarious position as you all have come up to Mammoton Station to pick up supplies for a pretty simple transport job. There was a little mix-up, a teeny tiny misunderstanding with this local bike gang called the Broke Bones. Their leader, a tough customer named Agela Numeric, raided a local warehouse where your shipment was stored, and they were trying to sell these stolen goods back to you for hundreds of credits more than they're worth, and a number of credits that you do not currently own. One thing has led to another. There was some sneaking involved, stealing a hover truck, and now you are all involved in a high-speed chase through the city streets, narrowly avoiding getting shot at. We're in combat mode. Whoa. Already? <laughs> Just this yeah. is a nice, calm beginning that I was hoping we would get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so we're going to go through your characters, introduce them. We're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about what's happening. Uh, but all, first... All you can hear in the background is... Uh, <laughs> that, that song from Borderlands 2, the intro song from Borderlands 2. <laughs> I don't hey, think we have no rest for the wicked. I don't think we have the rights to that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let me ask first to start us off: Who is driving uh, this nearly destroyed vehicle? Start with you. I feel like Rebecca's uh, character will be driving. Yeah, I was gonna say I'll drive. Totally. Re I'm Rebecca, a smuggler. I'm used to it. <laughs> You're in charge. How are you doing, Rebecca? Pretty good. How are you? I'm very good. This hover truck has seen better days, though, and keeping it in control while in a high-speed chase, very difficult. The camera pulls around, focuses on your your character. Uh, what do we see? What does she look like? She's got some dark skin, dark red skin, mm. and some prominent horns upon her head. She's a Whoa. tiefling. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Red skin, big horns. What what what's she wearing? What's, what's her style like? Uh, she's got like a, a sort of moto jacket on, you know, leather from a distant planet. Mm. Um, and she slaughtered that alien with her bare hands, believe me, and <sighs> made a jacket out of it. And yeah, that's what she sports. Pretty rad. Yeah. What is your character's name? Her name is Talara. Hmm. Now, in this situation, uh, there are bikers coming up trying to speed up alongside your guys' hover truck. What would a Talara say to her fellow crew in a situation like this? I got this, fellas. <laughs> I don't know, do you? <laughs> yeah, I got this. 
And she'd uh, sneer at the at the bikers outside the window. Yeah, you're you're surrounded by this this cycle gang trying to bring you all down, put a major hurting on you. Uh, you know, if they they catch up, stop your vehicle. I mean, it could be curtains. What would your character do in combat to see that you all make it through this? You're you're driving Swerve along. Swerve the truck into a bike, no doubt. Yeah. Well, they're they're very fast, and yeah, as soon as they see this very slow truck uh, moving to try and cut them off, in a, the inner cycle is able to dart out of the way. They see you coming, as it were. What else? Uh, she would hold out her hand in front of her in the road to the left of the truck, about thirty feet away, and suddenly her crewmates would see that the ground beneath that area rumbled apart and broke into many different cliffs and uh, crags, and the bikes would have a very hard time going over that. Oh, so we're using our witch warper powers at the the get-go here? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the the metal, the concrete here of of the city does indeed begin to warp and crinkle up, and maybe the smaller inner cycles are able to easily dodge out of the way, but the largest, beefiest one is unable to avoid it. Uh, the difficult terrain that you make and at the last second sees it kind of jerks their handlebars violently to the left, crashes into a storefront. Some small live birds kind of fly out of the, the shop and start streaming into the air. Feathers are flying everywhere. As this is happening, we take a detour and we enter into Talara's mind. We're going into a flashback to a few months prior. And we learn how she made it into this mess to begin with. Rebecca, tell us a little bit about your character. Talara is a pirate by trade Mm. and specifically a smuggler. Um, She's been working with a pirate captain, a Vesk captain for a long time, um, but has since escaped from that ship um, after she sorta accidentally scared some of her crewmates. Yeah, she had to get out of there. Right, right. So what? what's your theme? Space pirate. <laughs> That's so on the nose. I know. I'm so predictable. <laughs> well, no, for pirate makes uh, perfect sense. Let's uh, let's see here as, as we, we dive further into your, your background, maybe <laughs> for a moment, your your life flashes before your eyes. But we flash back uh, specifically to a few months earlier, an orbiting starship high above a sparkling blue planet. And we see inside this sh- ship, which is very military uh, looking uh, and, and gleaming white. Inside, we see Talara beaten and bruised, shackles around her wrists sitting in a holding cell after a run-in with a a different gang, Marauder Gang, in her past. A deal you were overseeing went south, and an open brawl, a shootout, lasted long enough for the packed stewards to get involved, break it up. You got picked up with everyone else, and here were assigned free legal counsel, uh, someone who agreed to work your case pro bono. She walks in with a thermos of elven tea and uh, small finger sandwiches. And the first thing you notice is you have a very similar red colored skin, but like you, you can tell that this person perhaps has had a checkered past, is a very professional looking android, perhaps long in the tooth with light red skin and blue circuitry running along her body. She introduces herself saying, the name is Sedona, 
and I know how these stewards work. We're going to get you out of their custody and get you to safety. A few days later and the security matter is cleared up, Sedona traveled with you back to a friendly local planet and got you set up with a hotel room and some credits. And this time she's become almost uh, a friend beyond uh, legal counsel at this point and perhaps a sympathetic ear you can tell some of your past troubles to. In this time, she opens up to you, Talara, and says, Darkness isn't something that envelops you entirely. It is something that you pass through. In your case, it's a tool. Use the dark times and come out the other side stronger. Pull those into the light that need your help along the way. Do you think you can do that, Talara? If I meet someone worth bringing out, then yes. If you want to try and get out yourself, and when you are ready, I have got a line on a ship. Need to put together a crew for some transportation jobs, seeding a colony in the vast. What do you say to that? Yeah, I'll give it a whirl. That was a few months ago, and now we rubber band back into the future, and the job that Sedona gave you has turned out a complicated than you expected. Let's move on to another one of your crewmates. Tyler, how are you doing tonight? Um, I've got my tea. You told oh, me that boy. this AP was going to be a crazy ride, so I had a seatbelt installed on my chair. <laughs> I'm I'm feeling safe and secure. All right. Well, I can't kill you this episode. Apparently, there's some unwritten rule. No, but, no. Uh, I think I, I don't believe that you would follow said rule. So no I'm one said with my guns. Anything about dismemberment or some kind of horrible mutilation? So still on the yeah. table. Um, it is your time for a close-up as the camera pulls in on your character. We get to spend a little time with them. What do we see? What's what's he looking like? We're in this big truck. Yes, you're in a very large, uh, on the back of it, actually, as you're not on top of these crates <laughs> tied together with a, a mesh rope. So the, my character's name is Nikithi <gasps> Berendir. Ooh. And you, uh, you see him. His form is kind of hard, would be hard to see because he's pretty much down on the ground and he's wearing, uh, he wears a kind of a regular, like a white tunic with a, with a brown vest that has many, many pockets and uh, places for vials and, uh, you know, other things to help him collect samples. And then oh a boy. very long black uh, lab coat. And out from the, out from like the back of the coat, you can see uh, kind of some blackened orange uh i don't even know what to call them they're not appendages they're protrusions Be and then in, as maybe the camera zooms in on his face you can see that he is uh an osharian and Ooh. he looks kind of ill and his hands end in in three like he's got you know the long appendages with his hands ending in three smaller appendages in one hand you can see him holding his custom rig because he is indeed a mechanic and in his other hand he is uh leaning up against his drone mm. um yeah yeah so the, those the, they're like pseudopods right <laughs> charons have like these weird fingers slash arm bits yeah it kind of seems like they're kind of controllable protrusions that come out of like you know a main arm yeah well it's not just uh nikithi right uh, you, you've got a drone nearby. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, the drone is named Idis, and Idis is a. Uh, we have flavored her to be a 
techno biomechanical machine mm. and she re- base she resembles very much a kind of bio cyborg akata she looks exactly like an akata she has like the long tail which is made out of you know mechanical bands maybe a cybernetic more like looking eye claws are made out of steel instead of you know uh you know normal whatever you know void flesh that akatas are typically made out of but a lot of it you know a lot of the skin looks just like a a normal akata and many of her functions are actually biological functions and not just technological functions so when we have a crossover season uh episode between season one season two uh everyone's gonna shoot at itis first on the the, the drift rider crew just like open up Yeah, Dross will, will not react well. I don't want oh. these two to meet. <laughs> um, your character, Tyler, is surrounded by a ruthless gang of murderous thugs looking to take you down. How would uh, Nikithi react in the situation? What do they do? Nik- Nikithi is probably just possibly either leaning up against a wall or sitting down. Nikithi would look down at his drone, Idis, and he would say, Be a good girl. Take out that in a cycle for me. And you would do see. I, her- do I get to be Idis this season? Yeah, you can be Idis. And so you would see Idis's uh, mouth opened up and kind of a small, uh, like a small barrel comes out and forms a shockwave that would shoot out towards the inner, inner cycle. <laughs> she speaks back in the machine language that you, uh, only you know, perhaps. And after she shoots at one of these inner cycles and and uh, scores a pretty heavy blow, but looks like it slowed one of them down, looks back at you, perhaps asking for attention or favor, and goes, <laughs> Well done, girl. While you're mid-peril on the back of this hover truck, we flash back a few months prior. Kithy is a, a, a weapons manufacturer, right? Yes, Nikithi is a arms dealer, and he right. specializes in creating living weapons. Yeah, like replicants style, like your 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 own drone, right? Correct. Yeah. Well, about a, a half a year ago, a number of arms dealers caught wind of your perhaps your breakthrough with the technology and started a bidding war between them that turned ugly and ended up with them putting a bounty on your Asharan head. After a few of them mentioned marinating you in a salt stew, uh, specifically unless you took work in their development labs in kind of a indentured servitude where you'd be watched closely and not allowed to leave. Uh, trying to escape the diaspora at this time became very difficult. You barely managed to run with your research, your greatest experiment, Itis, and just by your wits and a, a, a mutual acquaintance, introduced you to a friend that they said would be able to help. Her name was Sedona. Through an afternoon of computer hacking, paying off a local mortician, and staging a shuttle explosion, the arms dealers were left believing for at least a while. You were dead long enough. This android to swoop in, make sure you had the time to disappear. When you press her for some more information about herself, she says, I spent much of my early life helping my people out of forced slavery. You learn a lot about vanishing, working with the android abolitionists. I caught wind of the cartel closing in on you and figured that you were looking for a way out, Nikithi. Yes, the cartel are not the only ones who have sought my work. I have been running for a long time, meeting you 
has been one of the first good things to happen in a long while. It would have been a shame to see a mind like yours go to waste. Your constructs are not just weapons. I feel like one day they could lead to a major breakthrough in engineered life forms. She spent some time hiding you from both the authorities and, and one very persistent Draelic bounty hunter, eventually sending Nikithi into the vast aboard a shuttle, telling you that she would have some work for you that would keep you out of trouble for at least a little bit. But back in Nemeton, back in the in the the, the current time, uh, you take a laser pistol blast to your shoulder, <laughs> a glancing blow that singes your armor viewpoints of fire damage. It seems like while you've spent the last few months very low-key, trouble has now found you in with this new crew. I hate field work, and this is why. Let's let's move on. We got more crew to cover. Drew, how are you, man? Doing great. Awesome. (laughs) We switch focus yet again who we're looking at. Looking at your character. Drew, what do they look like? What do we who do we see? What do we see? Kaz is that's his name. Uh, he's he wears uh, light armor uh, to unrestrict his movement as he maneuvers about the the back of the truck, uh, mm. attempting to swing off the side to knock people off of of intercycles and and sort of take advantage of of the battlefield conditions. And uh, what 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 else do you look like? What what kind of what kind of creature are you? We've got a crazy uh, Asharan, a tiefling. Kaz is unique among this crew in that he he stands he stands uh, medium height, uh, mm. relatively plain skin color, black hair. Oh, and he's human. <laughs> okay, so by unique you mean um, vanilla ice cream? <laughs> unique. Still delicious. Still delicious. <laughs> okay, well, uh, while you're trying to knock off some intercycles on one side of this hover truck. All of a sudden, on the opposite side, a, a biker riding on the back of one of the intercycles leaps off of their vehicle and is standing right behind you as you're on the edge of one of these crates. What would Kaz's response be? Using his martial arts abilities, he would quickly strike using pressure points for the, for the radiant, radiant Nova, Nova Star, Star Strike. strike. Pop, pop, oh, pop, 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 pop. Ouch, no. No, leave me alone. The, the, the biker is blinded and falls off the truck. What kind of ability is that? That is one of the many abilities that Kaz learned in his Vanguard training. Ooh. Some might call it a dirty trick, but he <laughs> would call it skill. Don't call it a dirty trick. And it's, This is Vanguard abilities, folks. Uh, what, what was the name that you gave it? Uh, the Radiant Nova Star Strike. All right, RNSS for short. Um, so yeah, this this guy does not expect that. Who would? <laughs> I didn't. Uh, so he falls off the the back of the hover truck, hits the ground with a, a sickening crunch, and uh, you hear the first of many Wilhelm screams for season two. Death comes Tyler. for us all, but for you, it comes today. <laughs> uh, this guy nearly hits another one of the cycles. Uh, still in hot pursuit of you, and hearing the scream, uh, the man falling off the truck maybe triggers something in your memory, and suddenly we, we flash back to Kaz's life uh, as it's flashing before his eyes. We see a desolate, airless spacescape, 
a battle raging as fighters and transports fire green tracer rounds that light up the the night sky here and it's we are viewing this through the lens of a spacesuit's helmet causes helmet and everything turns to darkness and the first thing you recall without the haze of a concussion is the lights in your spacesuit blinking warning of imminent pressurization failure then blackout again in this darkness you're falling you can feel the tug of gravity in the dead space around you pulling you back but you don't know where you're falling towards a light bathes over for you and suddenly you look up and see a face an unfamiliar face pulling you to safety through a debris field of broken starships and asteroids it is an android woman not wearing a helmet and you watch as the horrific dark battlefield a few minutes later falls further and further away from you as this rescue starship speeds away she says to you the name is sedona i was just passing through this sector when i noticed the distress beacon didn't see any others alive down there you were pretty out of it but you are safe now do you remember much of the battle no i remember lights i remember flashes nothing else I am sorry to say that the people in your ships must have perished or were taken. I found pieces, but from the bios in your own suit, it looked like your life support was nearly gone and you had already been exposed to vacuum. You are lucky to be alive. It was an Aslanti attack, a small strike force, but I didn't see any of, of their ships or dead. They take their tech and bodies with them when they leave. Only carnage in their wake is left behind. The android was willing to care for you, nurse you back to health somewhat, and set you on your ways, and before she left, told you she was working on getting a starship crew together for some work in the future. Mentioned that you might be going to exciting alien locales, and back in the present, the current alien locale is trying its best to kill you. But before it does, oh, uh, we've got another character to introduce. Next, let's hit up Miles. How are you doing tonight, Miles? Doing well. How about yourself, buddy? We're moving on to you. I'm doing fine. Don't worry about. Don't worry about me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I need you to explain. Try to explain what it is we're looking at here. The camera moves to your your PC, your character. What do we physically see? Well, so the camera the camera's going to take a little while because all you see at first is just a deep dark blue mat of fur. And as it pans forward, you see this large, uplifted bear. Oh, jeez. No covered why. in preservers, mantle armor. It's a deep red made of, of uh, reinforced like moss and plants that surrounds mm. his body. And he is just I mean, this gargantuan bear. <laughs> um, how, how tall would you say? <sighs> how tall are they? <laughs> well, I mean, it's up to you. It's a large creature, so it could be... Yeah. You know, you could be up there. You could be up uh, 10 feet or so. I would say he's probably about 10 feet. <laughs> Those are, are beefy boys. <laughs> he, is, he, he is a beefy boy. And so his his full name is Wenarios Usario Corvum Draken Poe, but he typically goes by or is known by uh, as Win of the Hexen Way. All right. I'm not writing down all that. That's crazy. <laughs> but uh, yes, if, if someone asks you to shorten it, it's Win of the Hexen Way. Yes. All right. Good. <laughs> Uh, a bear. Okay, well, that makes sense with this crew so far. Um, 
Well, uh, do you want to tell us just uh, a little bit uh, about him? What's uh, what's what's an uplifted bear? Maybe I don't know if people know. So, what uh, uplifted bears are are pretty rad creatures. They, I mean, they're basically modified bears that have uh, hands with opposable thumbs. They've got heightened intelligence. They are, I mean, purely sentient beings like any other aliens. But they, have, I, I, if I'm, if I read the the um, alien archive correctly, they were basically genetically modified bears that evolved into their own kind of race of bears. Oh, so basically, my nightmare completely, <laughs> or my dream come true. So most of the uh, the, the bears themselves. Um, I mean, do you are you want me to, to get back into like his story or just? You know, well, we're going to get into it in a second. But before we do, Miles, there's still a an inner cycle on your guys's tail and it cycles up to the truck and the, the rider just starts banging on one of the hover engines, threatening to throw you off. And you're standing, I guess, maybe middle trying to, to keep balance on this truck. What would wind do in this situation? So so this 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 uh, last guy, he's he's close. So Wynn is going to whip out his flame junk sensor. A what sensor? It's, it's, I don't even know how to adequately explain what this weapon is. You you basically gave me a visual from a video game that we played, but it's kind of like this. I mean, it's like a a ball and chain. Yeah, it's kind of. Ball at the end can light on fire. Yeah, it's it's, it's this elaborate ball and chain uh, with like almost like a flaming lamp. Oh, as and so he is just going to just use both hands and swing and just whack at this guy like it's a like he's a baseball. <laughs> okay, as yeah, as it uh, barrels into this biker's chest, it does indeed light up. You see, maybe embers and flames kind of burst out of it, catching him fire and comically. You know, knocking him from the, the inner cycle, knocking him <laughs> into the the dirt. The the cycle um, just has so much stability; it just like keeps going forward for another couple hundred feet before it starts to taper off and crashes into uh, into some some trash cans, some crates, and things like that. As he does that, uh, Win uses one of his claws to scratch another tally into his armor. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh, we need to keep a tally the season now. <laughs> um, as as that's uh, getting scratched in, you look down at all the other marks there, and we flash back to months prior, a dark night and a fairly industrial skyline set amidst an endless jungle. It's a massive processing plant billowing toxicity into the heavy atmosphere of a lush moon world. The delicate ecosystem nearby in the last few years since the arrival of Astral Extractions subsidiary set up shop and it has been decimated in that time. The runoff from the complex has poisoned the rivers. The air is thick and hazy, and the soil shows signs of mild metallic irradiation. Now, um, your team, when was a, an offshoot of Xeno Wardens, who had planned a strike of this facility for months, trying to take it down mm-hmm. to destroy it and save tens of thousands of unique life forms on this high-gravity moon, and something has gone wrong. We see when now running through this darkened jungle as lethal security robots 
are hunting him down. And you're hurt. This giant bear can still be hurt. What? <laughs> Believe it or not, not invulnerable. Uh, maybe clutching an empty auto pistol, a primed detonator, and in this moment, in a last ditch effort of exasperation, after checking a few things on a data pad, you plunged the button down on the detonator and watch as the night sky lights up the heavily enriched atmosphere in a purple fireball thousands of feet high. When you make it back to your ship, there is no one from your team there to meet you. You had checked their bio readings in your data pad minutes before. They had all gone offline or flatlined. When is the sole survivor and you're able to slink off, escape, and travel into near space with the weight of this mission's failure, perhaps, on your furry shoulders? Had you given your team enough time to escape the facility? Why couldn't you reach them on communists during the raid? These problems kind of haunt you to where we find you now, the bottom of a smoky den of of ill repute where gangsters and the things like that hang out. It's months later and we find you sucking on a honey-flavored hookah and the first friendly face you see down there looked to you like an angel. She wore a long flowing dress whose fabric fell like a waterfall, her skin uh, a bright red, and in a sweet and sickly state that Wynne was in, you do kind of see a halo on top of her head. She speaks to you and says, My name is Sedona. I know, Wynne, that you are down on your luck. I heard about what happened to your Xeno Warden brethren, but I am also here to tell you it is not your fault. How can you say that? If you knew what happened, then you knew that this entire failure was on my shoulders. That doesn't sound like a bear's voice, <laughs> Miles. What's that? Oh, right. Uh, so one of the things that uplifted bears tend to do is speak psychically to the people around them. Mm. Uh, most of them are very social creatures. They, they, they're scientists, and they tend to like to dispel the stereotypes that their large physique gives them. While their normal voices are gruff and maybe growly and dangerous sounding, they try to typically, especially if it's a, a face that might seem friendly or, or kind, they, mm. they speak telepathically and in typically a friendlier tone. Okay, well, uh, Sedona kind of answers you back and s continues on and says, well, when, when things fall apart, sometimes irrevocably, we find that it's putting things back together that our souls most strive for. I am here to offer you a chance to put something together again. I need a crew to run supplies to a new colony in the vast. I'd like your help in putting together that crew. My help? But you know my my failures. I know your strengths as well. I believe you are capable of this. And it's months it's months later as we snap back to reality. And when you see these other three here that you've only been working with for a few weeks, but uh yeah, what what's when thinking? Is this is this gonna happen again? Is this crew gonna be like your your other crew? Uh, that that is absolutely running through Wynn's head, and and one of the reasons he's you know reacting so violently to you know his attackers is while he may have gotten used to the um, the vibe of this group, he's that that failure that he's gone through is still 
haunting him and it still kind of gives him a bit of um, PTSD and anxiety. Mm. And so he is going to to lash out at anything that potentially could harm his his group of new friends. Guardian bear. Or teammates, rather. Yeah. Well, as as you're you're thinking this over, you know, maybe thinking, you know, this time, no deaths. Uh, you look behind you and you see the last of the inner cycles kind of breaking off. It seems like this broke bones gang has taken too many losses or couldn't live up to their their own name. Then the four of you are able to make it back to your docking bay port. Lucky number 13. And it is here we meet maybe the most important part of this team. I know you've all been waiting for me to introduce your starship. Ooh. Oh, snap. We get a starship right off the bat. Do you guys awesome. remember uh, late last year, we had a fan submission challenge where we put into our fans to create a vessel in which the season's crew would be gallivanting around the universe. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought you would have destroyed that immediately. <laughs> no, no, no. I have to wait until you pile inside of it and then start shooting lasers at it. These are um, rules you don't have to follow as Lord of the Universe, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the ship opens fire on you. It, it gains yes, that's more, like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's more like it. Uh, no, I want to take, take some time out again. Uh, I think we mentioned it back when the competition was running, but I want to say thanks to everyone that submitted and submits to all of our, our monthly fan challenges, but uh, special thanks to the winner of, of that competition, the um, Create a Starship competition, uh, James. James, thank you so much. And as you guys pull into the docking bay, you get a, a full view of the ship, and it triggers in all of your minds a flashback as we see the four of you fumbling through uh, drinks at a, a local bar in a, a far-off distant space yard called the Clipped Wing. This is weeks prior where you you see this this place. Uh, there are engineers that retrofit starships here, uh, upgrade chassis, kind of trade parts. It's an open market as much as it is a bar. And the space yard that it's, it's built on is basically just the scattered remains of an ancient space battle um, whose f- failed participants were slagged and junk wrecks kind of fused together and a large space station called Junksum. The dealer you're, the four of you are speaking with is explaining the ship's history while you peer over its stats on her data pad. She says, The ship's name is the Phoenix's Respite. It's a solid design, second-hand packed world construction. Very tough, like the Serenite Masters that created it. It took some solar damage on search and rescue missions and was deemed ill-fit for solar use, but their loss is your pleasure. This bad boy is perfect for drift travel cargo transport jobs like yours. The prior owner was Galdrix Nold. Sold it when he got done pirate hunting in the diaspora, but this vessel has stood up to the worst Corsairs of the pack system, and she's still in one piece. You guys get to see like a, a full video in this bar. Um, what would your your characters have to say about it? Nikithi, as the mechanic, would be mostly interested in the specs, and he's looking at it, and he would say something along the lines of, This vessel is indeed rough, but I have seen worse. I can make her the scourge of the stars. Give it time. Yeah, I think she'll do. Hmm don't like being away from the ground for too long, so ship's just a ship to me. We will have to make augmentations to accommodate your size. 
large one. It is not the quality of the tool, but how one uses it. But no one has killed a monster with a rusty fork. Not yet. Some of us don't need forks. I think we ought to paint it black. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should have cut you guys off like uh, five minutes ago, but I wanted to see where that was going. <laughs> no colors only. <laughs> oh no. Back in the present, you all roll into the docking bay. You see your your starship now parked on a platform. It's been your home for the last few weeks. You all have been a crew together. It has seen some laser scoring on its hull and shows recent repairs, which have eaten into your, your ship's slush fund. But she's still flying and in one piece. And that's maybe all that matters. You all start unloading about 40 crates, all shapes and sizes from the, the hover truck, uh, adding them to the already nearly stacked cargo containers that are attached under the wings of the, the respite. And as you're double-timing it, you hear a large hum from behind you all. And you see the leader of the Broke Bones, the towering android Agella Numeric themselves, standing on top of one of crates with a huge-looking jury-rigged explosive device. You all aren't making it out of here without paying a price one way or another. You hurt me, and I've got to extract my pound of flesh. And this brings us to our fifth and final player. Oh, you thought we were done. You think I was going to forget about my good friend, Jabert. Hey, buddy. Hey. Uh, your PC sees this happening from inside their hiding spot. This gang leader has their back to you. How would your character deal with this? Let's see. I would sort of crawl and sort of crawl along my hiding place until I was reasonably close. And then I would uh, kick open the kick open the vent and tumble out and uh, reach into uh, one of the many pockets on my vest and pull out sort of a handful of like cluster bombs that I've that I've manufactured and I whip oh, them no. at the person and uh, they're, they're they're mostly harmless they're just sort of like for distraction purposes oh, okay. so I, I whip them at the person and as I'm as I'm falling I draw a uh, azimuth laser pistol Ooh. and I shoot them right in the back oh for, like the L9 vertebrae scoring Pia! scoring a hit <laughs> a direct hit they go down Jell and oh, yeah. goes down and <sighs> perhaps expertly rendered unconscious with a tactical blow, some uh, <laughs> cluster bombs to the face, their explosive device falls to the ground. What would your character do? I take uh, I take my the, my gun and I blow the smoke away from the tip and I... And this, uh, this small goblin creature looks over at the rest of the party and says, Thanks for the lift, chums! The name is Bumfuzzle! <laughs> And I just like unload my whole gun, just like shooting it, shooting it into the air. <laughs> Why? 
<laughs> Does anyone have a battery? I'm all out of batteries. <laughs> oh, just like Jabert's character, always. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a pretty heroic-looking goblin standing there, um, blowing on the barrel of a a spent laser pistol, large fishbowl helmet on its head. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's uh-huh. what I'm looking at. That's what we're looking at. I should mention you all, uh, your characters. I've never seen the space goblin before. What is that? S- says the giant blue bear. <laughs> 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 I just want there, there to be context for that line. Yeah, well, because I mean, think about it. You know, you, he just sees this little tiny goblin <laughs> who is like, you know, a squirrel to him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, you've you've like been around though, right? You know about goblins, right? <laughs> Space goblins. They, it's a different uh, species in Star Fox. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it, it's it's fully possible he may not have have come across a goblin. Uh, Jabert, tell us what is what does our old panel Bumfuzzle look like these days? Uh, let's see. So we got a like a green sort of greenish uh, grayish skin, red eyes, sort of your 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 typical space goblin looking fellow. Although Bumfuzzle is wearing sort of a uh, like a like a sort of a canvas vest with lots and lots of like pockets all over it it's mm-hmm. clear that it's clear that uh when uh he was getting ready for this mission like, he just like loaded up with stuff and just they're all just like crammed full of just junk like there may be like a few <laughs> useful things in there but it's mostly just like like he's like a pocket just full of dirt <laughs> like just because he doesn't know what he's gonna need dirt and like oh i'm, I'm writing that he... down what if that becomes super important plot-wise <laughs> later on right one of them is like three. full of oh. screws and like oh. the other one's got like a bunch of knives but like they're all like pointing up like <laughs> it's like it's not very well like thought through but like you know they're there what's that <laughs> magic we... item that requires you to carry dirt with you uh, I think Rebecca had that in season one. Uh, oh yeah, the the like the earthbound earthbound, earthbound anklets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Perhaps we should uh, mention uh, Jabert and to everyone listening that everyone here thought you were playing a different goblin. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, honestly, I've been waiting for you to like say psych. <laughs> no, this no. Is, this is reality. I'm also oh very surprised that, Pat, that Patrick allowed this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was I was on board day one. <laughs> no Welcome wonder, to hell, jerks. No wonder we couldn't have Andis one four eight. Oh, so we flash back now several months prior. We are back inside Raimi's rumpus room. Everyone partying. Sending off Andis 147. It is a joyous occasion. People drinking, having food, a good time. But there are a few that are in a deep discussion in a booth at the back of the bar. And we see Caddy Wumpus and Bumfuzzle here talking with AND, or AND 1, leader of the Founding 19. If you haven't listened to season one of Cosmic Crit, spoilers <laughs> for it. Uh, it is an organization that is looking to unite 19 members of a perhaps the first line of androids ever produced. And one says to them, we need to honor your work in helping us secure and 15. Thank you both. We have gathered a small stipend for each of you of 1000 credits, and we have more work for you if you are interested. There is another of our kind. We are hoping that you can find her out in the vast. Convince her 
to return to us. Let her know what has happened. And one passes over a data pad with a picture of a red-skinned android in a flowing dress. She goes now by the name Sedona. We knew her as And-16. We believe she is currently working with crews stalking colonies in Abadar Corps space. We worry she might be in undue danger on that edge of the universe. You must find her and keep her safe. As you are both able to pour over the details of this case, this job, Bum Puzzle, you see Cattywampus looking very hesitant. Something about this doesn't seem right. Cattywampus, what gives? Why, why do you look so glum? We have another job. More credits, more credits. I am not ready to leave. And this, even if they will be gone, they will still need someone at their side to guide them in this world. I'm, I'm sorry. What? You, you're not coming? I I think that for now we must go our separate ways. Wait, well, we, you're we, your own person. So do as you please. We've we've not been whole since Collywobble's death. I I believe we must we must grow apart to grow back together. He gives you a big hug, and at that time you are both called on stage to say your final farewell to Andis 147. Tears already welling up in Cattywampus's eyes. They uh, hold your hand as, as you walk up onto the stage. And we are back in the present <laughs> at the uh, unconscious body of this gang leader. You all <laughs> um, moving the rest of the supplies onto the, the ship. Back at the, the the Phoenix's respite, you all meet this goblin, <laughs> Jabert. What what would Bumfuzzle's pitch be to join this crew on their mission? You can't stop me! And then I jump back up into the air vent. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, you guys, you guys gotta, you gotta get someone out there to the ship. You got a goblin in the the air ducts. <laughs> open up the vent. Extermination services are very expensive, and I shut the shut it and I screw it back in using one of my mini screws. <laughs> oh, what pocket is that? <laughs> is that above the dirt pocket? Where is that in the hierarchy? It's on the other side of the dirt pocket. It's like a little bit up. It's like just below the breast. It's a small pocket. There are a lot of small pockets. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. I have dealt with many mechanical problems, but a goblin is worse than anything you could imagine. Once again, this is a space goblin, so very different <laughs> deal, Tyler. A, a space goblin is even worse than a regular goblin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He, he seems kind of fun. He's he's like the, the podcast mascot yeah. at this point. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yes, fun. Fun like a crashing migraine. What about Talara and Kaz? At least he has some weapons. He might come and he might show himself to be useful. There is something to learn from every individual, every person. Let us see what we can learn from him and what we can teach to him in return. Right, Bum yeah, Puzzle so. is like chewing on the wires, just like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please, please stop. Please. We've already agreed to let you join. Please stop. Make me, <laughs> make me slug man. And just like. You are increasing my workload exponentially. 
Well, guys, congratulations. I don't know whose character voice I hate more in season <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's anyone's race at this point. We've got a lot of episodes uh, ahead of us. But yes, this is, uh, is going to be a weird season, everyone. It's a few minutes later. Your ship is, is warmed up. It's all on. The cargo has been loaded, locked in. You all can strap yourselves into the cracked and frayed, upholstered jump seats in the the Phoenix's respite. You guys are able to pilot the vehicle away from the docks, through the thin atmosphere, into open space, and a few minutes later are ready for drift travel onto your next location. Your destination, the one first job Sedona has sent you on, is potentially weeks away far-off new colony world called Nakandus. Your ship is laden with these transport goods armed with uh, weapons and supplies and ready for adventure as a new crew and an endless, infinite horizon of the drift opens up before you. Well, here we go again. Another job. Let's do this, boys. Wynn probably holds his stomach and just says, I think I'm going to be sick. Because bears dislike interstellar travel. I can already tell that this crew will be entertaining at the least. And stop chewing on those cables. (laughs) Kaz, we have bested our opponents. Victory in our grasp, yet still so much to learn about each other. I look forward to spending this time talking to you, conversing with you, learning from you as we embark on this journey together. Have no fear, friends, for Bumfuzzle is here, and Bumfuzzle shall protect you. Our future is uncertain, but our destiny is fated to be at least one thing. What's that? To be continued! <laughs> oh. oh, no one saw that coming. I expected Patrick to cut that ish off. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I was. I'm glad that Miles said something because we would have just waited for that to happen for hours. <laughs> uh, for literally <yes>. hours. <laughs> and I wouldn't have said a thing, but. Uh, thank you, Jabert, for ending this episode. <laughs> or should I say, uh, uh, giving us our, our little cliffhanger here. Uh, we've met the characters. We are ready for some adventure in the, the reach of Empire. You guys have made a pretty weird crew here. <laughs> yeah. Yep, sorry I'm about excited. That. I love them already. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I, I'm I. I'm with you, Patrick, in that I hate my own voice. So <laughs> I, uh, I honestly just imagine cause uh, every time he gets off the ship, just going and here comes the freak show <laughs> <laughs> with everybody else behind him. When is uh, riding a, a unicycle and balancing a ball. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I, I, I like to think that uh, um, is, is he is he cattywampus? Bumfuzzle. Bumfuzzle. Whichever. Uh, they, they are not interchangeable, you monster. They How are better used to it being different people? <laughs> um, I, I like to think that Bumfuzzle is riding on top of Win as he's walking on all fours. Oh, we'll see. We'll see if the GM allows that. We'll see if we get <laughs> and, that fan art in three weeks. And your, your strength uh, score allows it. Uh, um, it's just um, already? 
You really feel like you would be willing to take a complete stranger on your back? Uh, yeah, I think Wynn's a lot back. friendlier than Talara. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh man, we are in for some shenanigans this year. Ah. <laughs> uh. Boy, boy, oh boy. I, did, I didn't give you guys like super strict guidelines on what uh, races or classes you can pick. And it has been it's been a long road to settle upon uh, these five. Uh, congratulations uh, in the future. Whoever won the the fan challenge to to guess this weird crew. <laughs> That's pretty insane. Uh, yeah, but let's let's wrap it up. Uh, this has been just a little intro to our, our characters in this adventure and uh, and what's in store. But uh, next week we're back with uh, another episode of season two. Any, any last any last thoughts before we sign off, everyone? So next week we're like starting the AP, right? Uh, yes, next week there will be some potential for death. I'm very excited. Oh boy! Oh gosh! Let's see how this crew comes together in that time. <laughs> Patrick, we spent a lot on art. Just saying, spent a lot on art. You'd spend some more if someone dies. Good, good thing we have a Patreon now. Thank you guys for playing with me, talking with me tonight. Thank you for kicking us off. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for making some weird characters and what we do. You're uh, welcome. We'll see you next time. Say, have a great night. We'll see you in season two. 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 Season two.